The following is a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. everyone and welcome to your money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're going to talk about the rising inflation, rising debt levels, and of course, rising interest rates. All are really taking a financial toll on household budgets for so many Canadians, including many here in Newfoundland and Labrador. If you can relate, if your budget is feeling stretched, then you're really not alone. To discuss this and offer some advice to help you through these uncertain times, I'm joined by Al Antle. He's the Executive Director of Credit Counseling Service of Newfoundland and Labrador, and Julie Kuzmik, Senior Compliance Officer of Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Nancy. You know, we're really um, hearing so much these days about people struggling with the rising cost of food and fuel. Uh, Interest rates now we know have uh, increased. And Julie, I know that your survey has said that people are starting to take on more credit card debt. So we definitely have a lot that we're going to talk about today. But with so many people feeling the impacts, um, you know, economists predict that we're going to continue to see spikes over the coming months with regards to inflation. So it doesn't look like there's immediate light at the end of the title, uh, sorry, at the end of the tunnel. So this, of course, means that already tight household budgets could get even tighter. It seems every month when the statistics are least inflation is even higher and then the previous than the previous month and the latest statistics for february saw inflation soar by 5.7 percent the highest it's been in more than 30 years which is really staggering so we're paying more for pretty much everything and there's no getting around the increases because the rising costs are on things we all need so gas prices are up more than 32 percent compared to this time last year and of course we all need to eat and grocery prices are up seven the largest yearly increase since May of 2009. I mean, that's a long period of time uh, to be looking at these changes, and 7.4% is certainly a large increase. But to get even deeper on that, meat is up 11.7%. In fact, beef increased 16.8%. And dairy products and eggs are up 6.9%. We all need a place to live, right? So we're also looking at shelter costs today. Those rose 6.6% year over year. February, the fastest pace since August of 1983. Vehicles are up 7.2%. Household appliances are up 7.8%. So if you're looking at a new refrigerator or freezer, you're paying 15.6% more this year. Washers and dryers and dishwashers are up more than 9%. And even kitchen utensils like tableware, cookware, etc. are up over 10%. So while costs are increasing, it is important to point out that wages are not keeping up. So according to StatsCan, average hourly wages in February rose only 3.1%, which means we continue to experience a decline in our purchasing power. This has left many consumers struggling to keep up. And a recent survey by Angus Reid shows just over over 53% of Canadians are feeling that they're outpaced by the rising cost of living. In Atlantic Canada, that's even higher at 59%. 
51% say that they would be unable to cover an unexpected $1,000 expense, including one in seven who say that they couldn't deal with a surprise bill of any amount because their budget is already so stretched. That percentage is even higher here at home. 61% of Atlantic Canadians say that they couldn't manage that type of expense. Seven in 10 at 70% say money is a source of stress, which is not surprising given what we've just heard. One third at 36% say that they have too much debt, which is again higher in Atlantic Canada at 40%. And nearly 22% have postponed contributions to their RSPs and TFSAs, which means that their budgets are so tight, they're really unable to invest and save for their financial future. And that number is the same here in Atlantic Canada. So Al, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the results of this survey? Are you surprised by these stats at all, or is that really what you're hearing in your practice as well? Not surprised in the slightest. In fact, we watched it evolve over the last three years. I think we've talked many times about how we perceived our caseload to be changing, and we still hold that view. By that comment, I mean... Uh, three to five years ago, we would typically be dealing with individuals who work for minimum wage or slightly above minimum wage, seasonally employed, you know, underemployed. That was our typical caseload. However, in the last three to five years, particularly in the last three years, there's been a complete evolution so that we are now dealing with middle-income Canadians, middle-income Newfoundlanders, you know, people who come in the door who have, they have what they perceive to be reasonably good jobs, they have a take-home pay in excess of five to six thousand dollars a month uh you know they've lived in the same house for three to five years uh etc etc but all of a sudden these these subtle increases in the cost of everything uh has really gotten them down and in addition to that and this ties back to the financial literacy piece that we always preach People who are in the process of borrowing or negotiating their way out of what they perceive to be a crisis are not necessarily making sound decisions as to where they borrow and and, and how they borrow. You know, we, For example, I came across a senior citizen in the last f- uh, five weeks who owes in excess of $100,000. That's $100,000 to a finance company. That's not a mortgage. That's consumer debt. So these are the kinds okay. of things that we've started to see uh, over the last three to five years. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's devastating. And I mean that literally devastating numerous households. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong there, Al, right? And $100,000 is a lot of debt for anyone to owe, uh, especially mm-hmm. a senior citizen. And finance company debt, as we know, is, um, you know, significantly higher interest than even credit card debt is. So it's it's yeah. possibly the worst kind of debt outside of payday loans that someone could, uh, could have because of the rate of interest. So, Julie, what do you think about these statistics? I mean, they're staggering numbers, right? Staggering on two fronts, I think, that the sheer increase in cost costs that people are seeing right now in comparison to the the increase in wages, but also staggering at just how much it's increased over such a long period of time, right? And by that, I mean, you know, 30 years since we've seen these types of uh, inflationary costs. 
It really is staggering, Nancy, and, and I'm really struck by that figure that Al just shared about how they're seeing more middle-income Newfoundlanders who have a take-home pay of 5000 or $6,000 a month. Um, now, we're seeing the average monthly credit card spend in Canada increasing uh, quite substantially. So um, if you think about what are you putting on a credit card each month, roughly, um, at the end of last year, we saw that number climb to over $2,000. So it's sitting at $2,205 a month on average, uh, which is 15.2% higher than the same period in the previous year. And even when you look at pre-pandemic spending, because of course, looking at the stats during the pandemic may be a a little bit misleading, it's still up over 6.8% compared to the the pre-pandemic period back in 2019. So we are seeing an increase in in credit card spending, which of course can be indicative of a a less stable financial situation. So not only are Canadians having to deal with rising inflation though, Julie, right? We're also seeing um, rising interest rates and economists have been pressuring the Bank of Canada for months now to step back in and raise interest rates in an effort to try to curb this inflation that we're seeing. And earlier this month, the central bank did do just that, raising its benchmark rate by a quarter point. It was the first rate hike in 40 months. And this is just the beginning of the interest rate increases. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem has indicated that we're going to see several more hikes this year. Many economists predict that we will see rates rise one and a half to two percent by the end of the year. So just last week, one of the country's largest banks made the most aggressive interest rate forecast yet. Scotiabank is now forecasting that the Bank of Canada overnight rate hitting 3% by next year. The bank acknowledges it's an aggressive call, but says it's needed to control inflation. They feel that the Bank of Canada keeping rates too low for too long now needs to end and we need to play some catch up. So let's talk a little bit about that, Al. Let's talk about who is going to be impacted most by the rise in interest rates and and what do our listeners need to know about the impact of these hikes? Well, the people who will be impacted most will be will be people who, who who depend on debt to to get them through their their life. Uh, people whose mortgage comes due for renewal in that window of time will be significantly affected. People who need to replace their vehicle, uh, people who are forced or who simply choose to uh, upgrade the property to carry out repairs, renovations, uh, you know, replacing major appliances. Anybody making a significant credit purchase uh, is, is going to be simply devastated by this. And, you know, depending on the level of debt you carry, uh, in, for many people, these increases could be the straw that broke the camel's back. I also think it's interesting at this point as well that we have an entire generation of Canadians, I'm going to say to you people under 45, uh, have never experienced inflation in their life. You know, the last time we had inflation like this was 30 years ago. Well, at that point, people who are 45 today were 15. So, so this is going to affect a whole different group of people. Uh, and, of course, the other group that's going to significantly affect, in addition to the mortgage renewal and vehicle purchase, so on and so forth, is the general financial fatigue that occurs in seniors who are on fixed incomes. And, and I would argue that even the most uh, financially astute 
seniors and seniors who have a significant nest egg, that's going to be worth less because of this inflationary trend as well. Yeah, and I mean, we know that a lot of people have a variable rate lines of credit and things like that, so they're certainly going to see an increase in the amount that they're um, paying, in, even if they're paying interest only payments, which most of them are, they're going to see an increase in their payments. Well, we know that high inflation and the decline in purchasing power are really taking a financial toll, as we've talked about. We're already seeing this, and especially when it comes to debt and debt management. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon. My guests today are Al Entel, Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador, and Julie Kuznick, Senior Compliance Officer of Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. So we're talking about the impact of soaring inflation and the impact that it's having on the finances of Canadians, including those here in and Labrador, of course. And now that interest rates are on the rise, many are facing added financial strain, as we discussed in the last segment. So as you heard before the break, surveys show many are struggling to keep up. Another indicator that consumers are feeling financially stretched to make ends meet is the increase in the level of debt that Canadians are carrying. So the current household debt ratio in Canada is now at a record high, $1.86 for every dollar earned. That is a staggering number. We were talking last year when it was at $1.74, just how high that was and how concerning it was. So the fact that we've now risen to $1.86 is uh, particularly concerning for me. According to a recent Equifax survey, consumers are leaning more on credit cards. In Q4 of last year, of 2021, consumer credit card spending increased 14.4% compared to Q4 of 2020, and it was up almost 10% compared to the previous quarter, uh, Q3 of 2021. So while the increase in credit card spending is a concern, another red flag within this report relates to payment behavior. So the Equifax Canada survey shows it is slowly getting back to pre-pandemic levels. So consumers are making less payments for every dollar spent on credit cards. Credit card balances are up overall. Credit card demand is increasing. New card growth is reaching pre-pandemic levels. So those who are able to make uh, get some dent in their credit card debt over the course of the pandemic um, are really dipping back into that is what that tells me. And, and credit limits on new cards has also increased by 23%. So Julie, what's your reaction to the record level of debt that Canadians are carrying right now and the results of your Equifax survey? Well, I think I can sum it up in a word, Nancy, and that word is concern. It's uh, always concerning to see levels of debt increase, but particularly in this environment of uh, we're staring down a lot of interest rate increases as as we've been discussing, and, and it's, of course, all over the media. So when people are leaning on debt in order to manage their day-to-day expenses, that is a very vulnerable position to be in when you start to see interest rates increasing. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, the fact that people are taking on additional credit card debt or looking for increases in their current credit card uh, level, that, that is a sign to me that they may be using their credit to supplement their, their monthly income. So uh, let's talk about how concerning that is, right, that consumers are actually turning to their credit uh, to make ends meet. 
Well, you know, we see that every day, and 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 we, um, uh, how do I say this? Um, much of what we see is almost a harbinger of what the future will hold, because we started to make this observation many, many years ago. Uh, initially, we kind of wrote it off a little bit to to the to the points craze, and 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 I don't think you can write off the points craze from the consumer's perspective. People genuinely believe, genuinely believe that they gain by using credit because of points. Well, that's, of course, a complete fallacy, but that's another story for another time. But I think that's what started the level of comfort, the notion that if the bank gives me the card, then clearly they think I can afford it. They're the professionals. I'm a rank amateur. I'll therefore take their word, and I'll use the card. I think that's where this all started. And then we get to a place where we're caught, we're stuck before we actually know that where we are, if that makes sense. You know, you, 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 you do this for two years and all of a sudden this is normal for you. You, you, you pay off your credit card or pay down your credit card in May and you use it for $4,000 in June. Uh, you know, when you pay it down, you use it for $4,000 in July. It gets to be normal. And I think that's what we've seen evolve here. In addition to that, um, we have a, a, almost a uh, an aggressive sales mode happening in the credit world. Uh, you know, where where every time you talk to your bank, they're asking you if if they can give you a new card or advance your line of credit or increase your home equity loan, whatever the case might be. And all of this together has created this oleo of of uh, uh, crisis for people as they try and get by today and uh, you know we, we see we see that when people can't meet basic expenses when they are now absolutely hooked on credits to get by and where where they because of financial literacy levels they don't know where to go to get help or how to get out of this so uh, it's almost like we're on a we're on a, a treadmill you know you, you, and you don't know how to get off yeah, and I've heard that from clients over the years too, Al, right, that, you know, they're using their credit to supplement their income, um, their mortgage comes up for renewal uh, every five years, they roll the high interest rate debt that they're carrying into their mortgage and they start again, right? And that's what they've said. It's We've just been on a treadmill and we know it's time to get off. And that's just one example, of course, of being on a treadmill, but there's others as well, to your point, right? People are using their credit cards. They might think they're using it for points, which is fine if you can pay that bounce off every month and you're not incurring interest. But the fact that we're seeing credit card debt rise and, and the credit that's being carried rise tells me that that paying off each month is not really happening. So, Julie, we know when times are tight, turning to credit might seem like a solution, but it can quickly snowball and get out of hand, which is what uh, Al and I are alluding to here, which can cause even bigger financial issues, not to mention negatively impacting your credit profile. So when it comes to that, what should listeners keep in mind and be aware of? Well, I, I think one of the important things to know is that when you think about your credit score, which is, of course, calculated based on the information that is in your credit file or your credit report at the time the score is calculated, one of the most important factors is whether or not you've been making your payments on time. And the reason for that is that when it comes down to defining what a credit score actually is, it, a credit score is literally meant to be a prediction of the likelihood of whether or not a consumer will pay their bills on time. 
so of course it makes sense that whether or not you've paid your bills on time in the past is a very predictive element of whether you're likely to do that in the future. So if people are starting to get to that uncomfortable place with their use of credit and the monthly finances in light of inflation and everything that's going on, Try to keep that focus on making on-time payments. And it is, of course, best to pay in full on time when you're looking at your credit card balances. That is by far the best situation. But if you are in a situation where you simply cannot, at least making the minimum payment by the due date is so important because that counts as an on-time payment. So that looks better than paying in full later than the due date if you missed the due date altogether. And that's a good point. Like make your minimum payment and then, you know, shortly thereafter, if you have more funds, go ahead and get the payment made in full. Don't delay because you don't have uh, the full amount if it's still your intention to, to pay it in full. I think one of the other things that people miss, Julie, when they think about this stuff is I'm making my payments on time so I have a great credit score, right? My, my credit uh, is really good because I never miss a payment. But utilization is also really important, right? Absolutely. So utilization refers to the difference between the balance that was reported to Equifax and the available credit, so the credit limit. So a quick, easy example, if you've got a credit card that has a $4,000 limit and the balance that was reported was $2,000, then you're at a 50%. You're using half of that available credit limit that you have. So keeping that utilization lower is always a, a good strategy for helping keep that credit score number as high as possible. Um, we do get this question a lot where people are concerned that um, if I'm paying it off as I go, so I put $100 on the credit card at the grocery store, which sadly these days feels like you're just getting two liters of milk for that amount of money, but let's say that you put $100 on at the grocery store, you go home and online banking, you, you move $100 onto the credit card, will it look like I'm not using my credit card and will I then be penalized for it because the amount that's going to get reported to the credit bureaus will be less? And the answer there is it's absolutely fine. Do not be concerned about that. In fact, it can be a very good strategy to keep paying off your credit card during the month and not waiting for the statement to come at the end and, and making a bigger payment. So that is often a strategy that can be used. Yeah, sometimes people think credit utilization means they need to at least show a balance. And I'm glad you brought that forth. Uh, that's not the case, right? And, and paying it when you can uh, each month. I get my statements weekly by email and, and I pay it each week, but so I'm not left with uh, a larger amount at the end of the month. So you need to do what strategy works for you when it, when it comes to that. But if you're someone out there who is concerned about hot, the high cost of inflation and the rising interest rates, please stay tuned. We have some more advice for you straight ahead. VOCM 2022 ECMA nominee for Media Outlet of the Year. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. 
I'm joined today by Al Angel. He's the Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador, and Julie Kuzmik, Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. So we've been talking today about the impact soaring inflation is having on the finances of consumers, and we know it's left many struggling to keep up, and, and surveys actually show that some are turning to credit and debt to make ends meet. This is really concerning because we know interest rates are on the rise, so the additional debt that they're taking on will, in fact, cost them even more to service. So, Al, let's talk about advice now. What advice do you have for our listeners on what they can do to lessen the financial strain that they're feeling? Well, the first point that we try and make with clients is to abandon, and I mean this literally, everything you believed to this point that got you to this point. Uh, and but, but don't abandon the bits and pieces that make absolute perfect economic sense. One thing that we hear all the time is minimum payment. You know, it'll only cost me X dollars per month. Well, you know, the reality is that minimum payments will drag you on forever. I met a woman uh, in the last five weeks who uh, came to us because she's got a, a 20, she, she's recently uh, disabled uh, and will have a fixed income for the rest of the time. And she's got this $22,500 line of credit. That is what she calls her fallback. So if everybody decides they're going to Florida, this is how she goes to Florida. Then she pay it off for the next year and so on and so forth. But in any event, she's been handling this all through the pandemic with minimum payments. And her balance has dropped by $19 in two years. Wow. So one of the first points we'd make to people is abandon the notion that minimum payments is all you need to worry about. No, you need to worry about balance because that's what you owe. Number two, we would suggest that people get their head around the notion that everybody, 100% of us are vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. Uh, you know, Nancy, uh, 100% of your clients this week, uh, I know for sure 100% of my clients this week, at some point in their past, have had a sterling credit rating with a sterling uh, credit score and were worthy of all kinds of credit advancements. However, if things go sour and things go south, that can slip into absolute mayhem almost overnight. Anybody is at risk of financial trouble, anybody. Uh, and I guess the third point, and, and, and you're probably tired of me saying this, but the third point has to be acquaint yourself with your own finances. Make sure you have a budget. Understand absolutely. Don't guesstimate what your take-home pay is per month. Know it. You know, understand completely what it costs to keep your household going. Know it, understand it, feel it, and and don't be afraid to share it in your household. Share with your kids, you know, uh, and get your head around the idea of 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 acknowledging that sometimes you have to say no, and sometimes when people, your friends, call up and say, "Look, hey, we're all going to Jungle Gym for dinner. Do you want to join us?" You may have to say no because that's what you need to do, and. Those three points, you know, I haven't said a word about, you know, mind your credit card and balance your checkbook. No, these are these are consciousness things that cause us to, I guess, or, or if we don't practice them, I'm sorry, that cause us to make what I will call poorer decisions. 
So, you know, we would suggest yeah. to people that, th that those three points are critical. And I would agree payments. with all of those, Al. Yeah. Minimum payments are the enemy. Uh, just because you're perfect today doesn't mean uh, you're going to be perfect forever. Everybody is vulnerable. And finally, learn to say no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's some really great advice, and I agree with you. I get a lot of clients, you know, a very high percentage of my clients who I've helped uh, reduce their debt through a consumer proposal or um, a bankruptcy. One of the first things they say when, when we sit down is, I have a really good credit score, or my credit's really good, I've never missed a payment. Yeah. And to your point, that does not mean that they're in good financial shape, no. right? Because if they're struggling to make the minimum payments or that's all they're able to make, they're never going to get their debt paid off. So no. I think it's really important for people to understand that a good credit score doesn't equate to good financial health. And Julie, I think it's also important for people to know that just because you have a good credit score, like Al mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean that, that you should be going out and seeking um, more credit. It's just you know, it means that you you have that one piece in your financial picture that's in good stead right now, right? But it's important for people to do things like stress testing their debt, right? And making sure that um, they are going to be able to afford the debt should we get an interest rate increase before they either what with what debt they have now or before they decide to take new debt on. Would you agree? Absolutely, and and I really like that point about the the whatever that number is on on your credit score. It is not an invitation to take on more debt, even if that number is absolutely fantastic. A credit score, as I mentioned earlier, is a prediction of your likelihood to pay bills on time. It is not a prediction of your ability to pay bills on time. So the information in your credit report does not include your income, your bank account balances, your possibly other debt obligations that may not be included on your credit report. So none of that can be factored into a credit score because it's not available on the credit report. So it is not a statement saying you are definitely able to take on more debt. It is just one aspect of your overall financial picture that indicates a potential behavioral propensity, if you will. No, absolutely. And oftentimes when you apply for credit, they don't ask about your monthly expenses, right? They, especially credit card uh, debt, they ask about your income and your other debt servicing, right? So that's fine. They want to know what other debt payments you have and what your total income is, but they don't know what your childcare costs are. They don't know what you're paying for gas. They don't know uh, how much it's costing you to heat your home. Like there's all kinds of things in your budget that are not part of that calculation. So to Al's point in the first segment, just because you've been approved, it doesn't mean you can afford it. So Al, we talked about making minimum payments only, and if that's all you're able to make, um, that that's a warning sign of financial distress. What are some others that people should be aware of? Well, if you're using credit to pay for something that you would normally pay for with cash, for example, if you always pulled up to the gas station and paid cash for your gas, but now suddenly uh, you're putting on a charge card and you have no choice, you know, using credit for convenience is not using credit for desperation. Um, you're getting calls from creditors. Uh, you know, you, you, you dread paydays. Uh, you fear when the phone rings. 
you know, the signs, uh, you know, the warnings are, are out there uh, and we can either acknowledge them for what they are or we can simply continue to avoid them. And avoiding them is, is, uh, is doing nothing. Uh, but one point I would like to make, Nancy, if you don't mind, in terms of having this sterling credit score, we suggest to clients, and some have reported back success, use a good credit score to negotiate with your prospective lenders. You know, so, so you're trying to negotiate a new mortgage and you have a credit score over 800 and the finance institution comes back and tells you that you can have a rate of 2.5%. You may be able to use that credit score to negotiate that down to 2.25%. We would strongly suggest that people do that sort of thing. Yeah, and I would take that even a step further, uh, I'll, even with your credit cards, right? If you're only able to make the minimum payment and your credit card rate is at 20%, use your high credit score as a negotiation to try to get them to reduce that by a few percentage points because every little bit will, will help you there. So I think that's really great advice. Any reduction, and, any reduction on a credit card is a godsend. Any reduction. No, absolutely. So as we've been talking about with record inflation and rising interest rates, it's really causing anxiety as well for people, right? Because we know that debt and financial stress is, is a cause for anxiety in many people. And, and most people that come to see me, and I'm sure Al would agree, really feel overwhelmed and are not really sure when it is time to seek the advice of a professional or maybe put off seeking the advice of a professional. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm joined today by Al Antle. He's the Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Julie Kuzmik, Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. So there's no doubt that these are on certain financial times for many people here in Newfoundland and Labrador and right across Canada. And many are still recovering from the pandemic. Inflation is at a 30-year-plus high, as we've been saying. We're all paying more for everything, and many consumers just are simply struggling to make ends meet. And now we're faced with rising interest rates on top of that. And we know that there's been one, and we're potentially looking at two or three more before we see out uh, this year. So we talked earlier about the Angus Reid survey. And it shows that 7 in 10 Canadians say money is a source of stress for them. And this is really concerning because, of course, stress can lead to many other um, health risks as well. So this is concerning. So for listeners out there who agree that this statistic is, in fact, concerning and those that are saying, you know, that is me. I am the one in seven. Julie, what's your advice for them? I think one of the most important things to know is that you're not alone. And that it is absolutely possible and even very common for people to have financial difficulties. And Nancy and Al, I'm sure you see this all the time, even declaring bankruptcy, which can feel like the end of the world, people recover from that. People go on to have great financial success and manage debt well and their credit scores bounce back. Even a bankruptcy on your credit report 
will be removed between six and seven years after the time that it's discharged. And after that, there is no evidence that this bankruptcy occurred. So it doesn't affect your credit score beyond that point, um, with the important caveat that it's a different situation should you declare bankruptcy a second time. But let's uh, hope that that is not something that's going to happen. So number one, you're not alone. And number two, the sooner you get help, the sooner you start talking to someone, the more options will be available to you and you'll get that stress release of getting some help and getting some ideas that you might not even have been aware of. There might be some easier options that aren't nearly as awful as what you were thinking in order to help you manage that situation. And remember that the lenders and, and your creditors, they actually want to work with you to get their money back. So a lot of the time people are really scared to call their credit card company and say, I'm having trouble making payments. But when you do, often people are surprised that they're willing to work with you, make concessions, maybe change the payment structure a bit. So um, I'm sure that uh, Al has a lot more tips for, for people based on their experience, but those are some of the, the things that I would recommend people consider. Yeah, no, that's great, Julian. You're right. Like, don't be afraid to at least call your creditor and look for uh, some help, whether it's reducing your payment, reducing the interest rate, which will then reduce your, your minimum payment. Like, oftentimes they are willing to work with you. And, and if not, then there's other sources of help that are out there for you. And I know that I hear from my clients and now I'm sure you'll agree that oftentimes they come, they have the initial meeting and they already feel a sense of relief. Just knowing what their options are, knowing that there's support and help out there for them helps ease their burden, right? And they'll often leave the first meeting going, I may actually get some sleep tonight. So, you know, what can you tell people about the importance of seeking that professional support and advice? It's critical. It's critical for your own mental health. And, you know, I talked in the earlier segment about the importance of acknowledging those three points. I guess the fourth point that we all need to acknowledge as well is that we are but skin and bones. And the reality is that we, we suffer tremendously at emotional levels when we often don't have to. Our mental health is incredibly fragile. And the kind of stress that financial concerns bring is, is incredible in some households and for some individuals, particularly if your financial condition has deteriorated to the point where every second phone call is from a credit grantor. Or worse again, if your circumstances deteriorate to the point where those calls are no longer the credit grantor, but a third-party collection agency acting on behalf of the credit grantor, because you know these collectors are not necessarily as gentle as your banker in terms of how they will relate to you. Uh, you know, we, our own mental health has to come in to play as well, and preserving ourself and our sanity is an absolutely valid consideration and it is not in any way shape or form selfish uh it's 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 the only way to do things i'm thrilled and delighted to hear julie talk about the fact that 
this stuff on your credit rating is not the end of the world and it has a life that's wonderful Julie thank you very much for pointing that out we are constantly reiterating that for clients yes your credit rating is taking a hit in the here and the now but I promise you five years down the road that will not be the case that's wonderful stuff yeah, no, that's right. And I think also you can start to rebuild your credit during that time. Mm-hmm. So it's not that yeah. you're going to have the worst of worst credit ratings for that six-year period. You can start, you know, doing the work to rebuild that as you're going through uh, the process of, of a consumer proposal or, you know, when, once you're uh, completed your, your bankruptcy. Yeah. So that is a very important point for sure, Al. So thank you both for joining me today. We've had some really great advice for consumers. Uh, we've got some time now for some final thoughts. So, Julie, I'll start with you. If you can leave our listeners with some final thoughts today, what would they be? One of my favorite final thoughts is a reminder that credit scores are not moral judgments. They are not character judgments. They are not reflections of your worth as a human being. It's just a number based on some other numbers, and they change regularly. So if you're worried, and and there's a pretty strong comparison here between those times that you're really scared to step on the scale because you don't want to have to see what maybe the eating over the holidays has done to the number on the scale, the number is what it is, whether you look at it or not. So the situation is already there. And the more important thing to focus on is the information that's in your credit report, which you're entitled to get for free from both of the major credit bureaus, Equifax and TransUnion. Take a look at that and make sure that the information is accurate. And a second thing that also relates to the the weight management comparison is much like on a day when you might, and I'm speaking from my own experience here, accidentally eat a quantity of M&Ms that you don't want to have to admit to, there's that (laughs) mental response of like, oh, well, I've thrown it all out the window. I may as well eat half a cake as well or whatever the case may be. On the credit version, if you have something that went into collections and you feel like, oh, my credit is ruined, forget it, I'm not even going to bother paying other things, don't go there because your credit is not ruined from one item in collection or or a couple items, whatever it is that, that is going on. It is always retrievable, even in the case of a bankruptcy. And with those items in collections, yep, they will affect the credit score calculation. They get removed after six years from the time that they went into collections. And as they get older and older, as they get closer to that six-year point, they will count for less and less. They will have a lower and lower impact on your credit score calculation as long as you've been making your payments on time since that happened. So you don't have to let it snowball. You can cut it off at, okay, yep, I did have that one thing go into collections, but I can take a look at the situation. I can go to credit counseling for help. I can speak to a licensed insolvency trustee. I can get this back on track and I will. Isn't that some really great advice, Julie? And if people wanted to reach out to get more information on, you know, good credit health and, and what they should be looking at on their credit report, what's the best way for them to do that? 
There's lots of information on our website at equifax.ca, but there's also a lot of good information on the Government of Canada's website, which is canada.ca. Um, it's actually uh, maintained by the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, FCAC, which has a very impressive uh, financial literacy mandate and, and strategy over the next several years. So lots of great um, non-biased educational information there, lots of tools for budgeting and helping you figure out what next steps you should take in your own situation. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. And Al, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? You know, Nancy, when I get a call to do one of these shows, I'm always delighted. I was particularly happy to get a call to do this one because the topic is so timely and it is it's at the core of what we do every day working with clients you know try the inflation is getting you interest rates are getting you what do you do how can you fix it so so this one was right up my street the first point i would or first final point i guess i would make to people would be this don't mislead your creditors critical you know if you if you can't pay the debt for Pete's sake tell them you can't pay I'm sorry you know you want $455 for me on Friday I don't have it be honest with people you'll find that you'll get far more uh, I guess goodwill from a credit grantor if you're being honest with them number one number two if you make a commitment and something happens to change your ability to to satisfy that commitment it's critical that you tell the credit grantor before the due date that you can no longer honor that commitment uh, I would also add to, to to what to do is at the very least struggle to make your minimum payments at the very least that that's probably the most uh, self uh, saving thing that you can do on your own make your minimum payments so what that may mean is that instead of making an extra payment to credit card B you know you'd normally pay them $200 but the minimum payment is 150 well pay them the 150 so that you'll have 50 to put towards a minimum payment of another debt try and keep yourself going in that in, in that way um, Remember that inflation is here. It's going to be here for a while. Uh, it's going to get all of us. There's nothing we can do to to uh, avoid it. Uh, however, it too shall pass. It too shall pass. And and we're not talking about this topic, but you know it's April first in a few days. Uh, remember to file your income tax, particularly if you're having a financial struggle, because you want to make sure that you get full benefit from any program that's available to you and that's only going to happen if your income tax is filed that's some really great advice Al. and if people wanted some help with their monthly budget wanted some advice on how to deal with their debt what's the best way for them to reach you well we are www.ccsnl.ca our phone number is 709-753-5812 uh, and uh, we are providing a free service in the community uh, province-wide uh, with no restrictions we are still doing most of our work virtually but we've been known in the last two weeks to see some people face to face but most of our work is virtual thanks so much for joining me today my pleasure thank you so i also want to thank our listeners for tuning in and if you are struggling financially you just want to have a conversation no obligation as al said reach out to him you can also reach out to me at bdo at your money at bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337 till next week i'm nancy snedden stay safe and be well everyone 
If you have a question or comment for your money, send an email to yourmoney at bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees on VOCM. The proceeding was a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network.